With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. HN Podcast, John Miller, Steve Dace, along with you here in mid-May as we've gone from winter desolation right into summer. I don't know where how it is up there where you are, Steve, but it's a nice, sultry 92 degrees in Tulsa on this May the 12th. So, goodness gracious, it is time to sweat. Um, Iowa fans maybe be sweating a little bit with the NBA combine and NBA draft decisions that are in the wind. Isaiah Moss going to be returning. Tyler Cook still is um, interviewing and working out with teams. Last report I saw a week or so ago that he had six workouts lined up. Uh, He did not get invited to the NBA draft combine. That is interesting. Nor did uh, oh God, why can't I think of the kid from uh, Wisconsin um, that everybody loves? Ethan Happ. Yeah, everybody overrates. Ethan Happ didn't get invited either. But Cook didn't get invited. Now I don't know any. I don't have any data to back this up. But I can't imagine that the number of American players who do not receive drafts uh, invites to the draft combine and get drafted and get drafted in the first round is very high. I don't think Tyler Cook's mm-hmm. going to get drafted in the first round or not. I, I just I just get the sense, Stephen, Fran McCaffrey's saying all the right things, saying that Cook's handling this like a pro, etc., and he's saying the things he needs to say. I just get the impression that um, Cook is moving on mentally, whether that's a two-way well, contract in the G League or Europe or what. I don't know. Well, to put this in perspective, I think one American-born player – that didn't get invited to the draft combine last year got drafted at all. Whoa. Okay, so you had yeah, the data. So, yeah, I, well, only because, you know, Michigan's got a couple of kids, Mo Wagner and then Charles Matthews. And Matthews didn't get invited. Uh, Wagner did. Wagner, I believe, was one of only two kids last year that got invited to the draft combine and didn't stay in the draft and still came back. So this draft combine particularly for the American players. And even though Wagner was born in Germany, he's an American college player. He's not a German transplant. So he's well-known by domestic scouts. Um, This NBA draft combine, this is different than when we were kids and it was Chicago and Portsmouth and you could kind of go and work your way up. When the NBA began their own developmental league and, and really started to take it seriously under their current commissioner, Michael Silver, they have really grabbed a hold of the scouting process, very similar to the NBA NFL scouting combine where, you know, that's a seven round draft now. And the likelihood, the amount of guys that get drafted that aren't invited to the combine is minuscule. And the same thing happens here. It is considered sort of your initial vetting process, particularly if you're from a major program and you don't get invited to the combine, it's highly unlikely Uh, that you will get drafted in the NFL, and the same is true now the last few years in the NBA. So, you know, Tyler Cook, with with this amount of workouts, what that also tells me is if you've got a half dozen teams working you out, 
there's some intrigue. Somebody's trying to see if, if you bring a unique skill set to the table that they can unlock or maybe they can stash you somewhere for a year or two and see how you develop. So that tells me that with, with the amount of looks he's getting, there's a chance he could be one of the one or two kids that bucks the system every year, but that's really all that it is. So I, that's why you saw Isaiah Moss come back. Uh, that's why if I was a Maryland basketball fan, I'd be sweating it right now. Uh, you had Werder and uh, Bruno Fernando were both invited to the combine. And on top of already losing Jackson, who was your best maybe returning player this year, and he got hurt, and he's already not, he already hired an agent, he's staying in the draft. I mean, we, you and I have been talking all offseason about Maryland making this huge leap back into the, mm-hmm. the top of the Big Ten. Well, you take – we were counting on Jackson, Werder, and Fernando being back recruiting class they're bringing in you take those three guys away that's a devastated roster i mean that that devastates maryland right there so maryland fans are sweating now with Werder and fernando both invited to this the combine and and now you if you're an iowa fan you wait to see what this means for tyler cook but at the very least i think we can say this he is looking for every potential avenue to not return to college basketball right. next season doesn't mean that he won't but he clearly desires to to avoid that if he can. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, I saw some an, some vintage highlights this last week, and I hadn't made this connection. And I'm not saying that it's a it's a pure dead on comparison, but it's you know, what we do sometimes. I I can I mean Tyler Cook's athleticism is unbelievable his explosiveness to get off the ground to get above the rim how he attacked the basket i mean he those are next level assets that you're born with and you really can't be taught it's the other stuff that needs refinement like he doesn't play defense and you know he's not really he doesn't have the handles of a three but he's got decent handles for a a four five in college good handles for a four five in college kind of a poor man sean kemp I saw in some videos this week. Now Kemp was Kemp was just a a physical freak force when he came into the league. Not many people were built the way that he was built and had the explosiveness that he had. So I think that's why there's this intrigue because Cook's explosiveness turns heads. It's just the other stuff, and, and I I just think that he could do well for a couple of years being staffed down the G League making 30 40 grand a year as opposed to going to college and doing that and, and getting to the league that way and if he doesn't get to the league in a couple of years dude could go overseas and make six figures for 10 or 15 years well i don't think your analogy is that far-fetched i told you the first after watching the first two games of his career it has been many years um many years maybe the late 80s since I thought Iowa had a guy athletically who could attack violently attack the rim the way that Tyler Cook does. Uh, now, the problem is Sean Kemp was 6'10", 6'11". Right. And Tyler Cook's not. And that's the, what you're really describing is a, is a great athlete without a position. And so what you're an NBA coach, what you're wondering is, can I develop him as a shot maker? Can he, can he make enough shots that his athleticism is on, it's worthy of putting on the floor because I don't really know who he guards. You know, he can't guard 
Um, he's, 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 he's really explosive, but, you know, I can't see him guarding the elite swingmen in the NBA. He's not physical enough to, to guard, um, you know, uh, the four. So your question becomes, can that athleticism, can he, can he become enough of a shot maker that I put up with any defensive deficiency? Because bringing that level of explosiveness from a guy who can put the ball in the basket, making him my sixth man off the bench to give me a lift, that's a tremendous asset. And so I would imagine that's what NBA teams are, are considering is, is the shot-making ability there? Can I turn him into a wing shooter? Can he hit 20-foot jump shots? So that forces teams to come out on him, and then he can attack the rim violently. Because if you're not 6'9 or 6'10, then the fact that you can attack the rim that violently in the Big Ten is irrelevant in today's NBA. If you're not 6'9 or 6'10, I can't put you on the block. And therefore, you have to show me that you can you can make teams defend you out in the, on the perimeter so that then you can take advantage of your, your athleticism when you attack the rim. And that's what I think NBA teams are probably wondering. How coachable is he? How amenable is he? Would he be willing to put in the work? To you know, in, in the G League, would he would he uh, uh, hone his craft? Um, what's the situation at Iowa? Did him and Fran McCaffrey just not mix, or did this kid have an over overinflated view of how good he really is? My guess is you've got a lot of those intangibles that NBA teams are taking a look at right now. Yeah, I, I think McCaffrey actually expected Cook to be gone after his sophomore or junior years, so I don't know that there's a big surprise there. You, know, you asked me a question in an email. What what does Iowa's team look like next year without Cook? And honestly, Steve, I think Cook's the difference in maybe two or three wins. Two wins. And some people are going to say, John, he's a lot better talent than that at the college level. And you're right. But here's my rationale. As you've heard us say, a lot the last six months... But as long as we've been on the radio or podcasting or whatever, college basketball is a guards game. And Iowa's guard court next year, yeah, they're bringing in Joe Wieskamp, who's a 6'6", most likely a 3-ish, a 2-3 guy. He's not a ball handler, beat you off the dribble guy in the Big Ten, and especially not as a true freshman. He's not. He's also not an on-ball defender for quicks out on the perimeter. You bring in uh, Connor McCaffrey. He's not a he's not a stopper on defense. He's a guy that can give Jordan Bohannon a breather. And we all love Jordan Bohannon. He's one of my favorite Iowa basketball players of all time. He's only been there for two years. But he's not a great defender, and he's never going to be. He's not a guy that's going to break down the other point guard at the dribble, and he's never going to be. That's okay. He has a great role in this team, and I'm glad that he's on Iowa's team. So the way I see it, Iowa's most significant problems and what kept them from reaching the potential we all thought that they had this last year, that hasn't changed. It hasn't changed, which will lead us into another discussion here shortly. Do you see it differently? No, but I think those two games can make a huge difference. I mean – the entire and the NCAA NIT are not getting bubble. in a tournament at all. Yeah, the entire NCAA. Let's go. Let's go look at the last four in, the the last four out, and the next four out. And I'll guarantee you, two games makes the difference between whether you're the next four out, or the last four in, 
every single time, you know? So I, I think two games makes a huge difference, particularly when you're in a power five conference, because either that means you've got two more quality wins or two fewer bad losses. Okay. And that, that's, that changes the whole tenor of your team. Or, and let's say you're in, let's say you're one of those last four in. That's the difference between a play-in game and Dayton or not. Let's say that you are one of the last four buys. That might be the difference between playing a number one seed in the second round or not. So two games can make a huge swing of difference in terms of how people see your season. Two games makes a big difference in the Big Ten tournament. Let's say you go into the Big Ten tournament, the end of the season, you're nine and nine. Well, actually, next year it'd be 10 and 10. Let's say you're 10 and 10 in the Big, Big Ten, firmly on the bubble. Those two games make the difference between whether you've got a double buy or not, you know? So, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, I, I don't, you know, if I went any higher, I wouldn't say it's any more than three games because of the, the game of college basketball, what it is, as you, as you accurately pointed out. But I think fans that are thinking you're poo-pooing that need to go back and take a look at a lot. Just go look at the last season and ask people how much difference, how much different two additional games would be. A huge difference. Two games, Ohio State is the Big Ten champion, not Michigan State in the regular season, for example. You know, so two games can make a big difference in how people end up seeing your season. So I don't think people should poo-poo at all. So that leads us to another question. This week, um, DJ Carton, uh, Eastern Iowa guard, four-star, fast-rising guard. I mean, just like five months ago, the dude was, you know, I was, you know, Wisconsin offered him first and Iowa and Iowa State and a few people were sniffing around. Now he's got a number of high major offers and he whittled down his list to a top six this week that included Iowa, uh, Michigan, Ohio State, and I can't remember the other three, Indiana. Uh, so I can't remember the other two. I know it wasn't Iowa State and it also wasn't Wisconsin, which I was a little bit surprised right. by that because Dean Oliver uh, is an, a Badger assistant and he was the lead recruit on on DJ. You ask what it means if Iowa doesn't get Carton. I'm trying not to be too hyperbolic here. I, on one hand, Adam Woodbury... Oh, I'd be hyperbolic here. On I'd one hand, Adam Woodbury and Mike Gassell were two of the most important commitments Iowa basketball had had in maybe nearly a decade because of what they meant and early in Fran McCaffrey's tenure as he tried to rebuild out of the crater. McCaffrey's moved past that now. They're not in the Licklider crater anymore. They're back near what the Dr. Tom, nearer to what the Dr. Tom era was once BJ, Roy, and Eddie all moved on than not when they were two games over 500 for Dr. Tom's last 10 years in Iowa City in Big Ten play. Two games over 500. So we're not at that point. And you, you've heard us just talk about what college basketball is and what Iowa doesn't have. I think, and DJ Carton's not the only guard they're in on. They're in on some other good guards, but they're in on other good guards from other states, which is why they've continued to be a bridesmaid so often trying to go after these good guards. I think DJ Carton, I think he's probably the most important, the most important recruiting prospect of the McCaffrey era that Iowa has to get. And if they don't, I'm struggling to see how I'm struggling to see how Iowa doesn't continue to struggle 
a great deal because of lack of a of an assassin at that position. I remember when you and I were on the air when Adam Woodbury came to Iowa. And as you pointed out, that was um, that was a legitimizer, no doubt. And he never quite lived up to his five star status. But Iowa won a lot of basketball games, him in the starting lineup. Same with Mike Gazelle. Played in NCAA tournaments with him in the starting lineup. And that, at the very least, helped Fran McCaffrey establish himself in a part of the country where he had no ties prior to really coming to Iowa whatsoever. This kid is in your own backyard. And I've got a unique perspective on this because I'm a Michigan fan, as our audience knows. I heard about this kid two days after the national championship game when Michigan went to watch him play. I've listened to three different podcasts in the last week, one of them just yesterday while mowing the lawn. They're all projecting this kid's going to go to Michigan. I didn't know who he was two months ago. And and right now, you know, Michigan's not hurting for point guard recruiting. They kind of get to pick the point guard they want because of how well they have established that position. You cannot allow another Big Ten school to come into your backyard. To show you how much Michigan thinks this kid is good, there's a kid who might be Mr. Basketball next year in Michigan named Rocket Watts who wants to come to Michigan. They've essentially told him, a local kid, hold up, we want this guy from Iowa first. We're going to give him first dibs. And he's now a consensus top 30, 35 recruit. I would guess he right now is the highest-ranked point guard recruit out of the state since Kirk Heinrich. But Heinrich was from the western part of the state, not necessarily you know, the Sioux City area, not a, a, a Hawkeye haven. Yeah, so you Mar- kind of Marcus, that. Marcus Page, but that was during the changeover from the Lick Lighter was. The, I forgot about Marcus Page. Thank you for that. Yeah, and, and, and But here's the thing, though. Michigan's not North Carolina. Michigan's hot right now, but they are not a 50-year right. blue blood like North Carolina is. They're just not. You know, and so that's why you don't fault Harrison Barnes for going to North Carolina. You don't fault, you know, Nick Collison for going to Kansas. You don't fault Kirk Heinrich for going to Kansas. You don't fault, uh, you know, Marcus Page, Carolina. Michigan has has had periods of time when it's been national dominant, but it is not an all-time blue blood brand like North Carolina is. You cannot, at all positions, Sean, this one, you cannot allow this young it's one thing to lose adrian errington or amara darbo to michigan in football when they put more nfl guys in that position than you do because you put no nfl guys in that position it but this would be akin to i to michigan coming into iowa and you've got a five-star left tackle prospect and kirk ferentz and he takes you you can't you just can't this is the position you need this is this is and if you look at the kids top six there's no blue bloods in it right now. There's no North Carolina. There's no uh, Kansas or any school like that. You cannot lose this. Well, I guess you'd call Indiana a blue blood. They don't really have that status right now, though. So you cannot lose this kid to another school in your own conference when he's in your own backyard. And this is the position that has been holding your program back really since Jeff Horner, and except for one year, the year Jeff Horner, that, except for one year under Horner, the talent around him really wasn't that great. You can't let this happen. The perception of what this means 
this is far more important. If I was Fran McCaffrey, man, I'd let Tyler Cook go and do whatever he wants to do. Wouldn't make one more call. I mean, at this point, I don't think there's anything you can say to Tyler Cook. I would, I, I mean, I, my, I put him, everything is on the table. I have to land this kid. I cannot, and I can't, especially can't let him go to another school in the league. I can't let that happen. I think perception-wise, there's a lot more riding on this than just one recruit, in my opinion. I would agree, because I was going to say, I think if you if Iowa gets DJ Carton, which I, I probably wouldn't bet on right now, and that, that statement has nothing to do with any inside information. Um, maybe as much of it has to do with you know just negative psychology of late than anything, and that's no reason for an opinion. But um, Xavier Foster of Oskaloosa, 6'9", 6'10", stretch four, probably another top 30 kid in his class. He's a class of 2020 player. So you've got Patrick McCaffrey in 2019, who is a top 30 player. You've got DJ Carton in 2019, who's a top 30, top 40 player. And then you got Xavier Foster from Oskaloosa in 2020, who top 30, maybe even higher. If you get Carton, you bring in Patrick, and then you can get Foster. That's something. But if you don't yeah, get that's Horner, Bruner, Holuski yeah, stuff is what that yeah, is. Yeah. If you don't get Carton, I, I just you know it's just another seed of doubt in the mind of uh, a Xavier Foster. So I, I agree with you. Um, last thing here. Here's the other thing that happens if you don't get Carton. If you don't get Carton, other powers in this part of the country are going to go to that Oskaloosa kid and say, "Who's feeding the ball?" Oh, sure. You don't want to be you, you don't want to be Tyler Cook, do you? That's what they're going to say. That's why Carton is the narrative changer. He, you have to get him. I believe he's a must. Yeah. Uh, last thing, Sean Welsh, uh, very talented offensive lineman for Iowa. Uh, I was a bit surprised when I didn't see him get drafted. You know, we talked about how last year he had to play out of position at times, playing right tackle when he's really a, an interior lineman, and how sometimes even though that you know the guys go in and they and they do what their team needs them to do, but that sometimes shows up on tape and can be a negative to them, and you, you wondered about that. Sean Welsh announced this week that he is retiring from football. Last year, very publicized, uh, very brave in coming out and talking about with his battle with depression. Um, I remember a few years ago, he, he wasn't around the football program in the spring. He left for personal reasons and was gone for an extended period of time, and he came back, and it was due to his battle with depression. Makes me think that maybe um, maybe he didn't get drafted because there were some concerns about his longevity uh, with the game. Whatever doesn't matter. Uh, Welsh announcing this week that he's retiring from the game, just didn't love it anymore. And I think that's the absolute best decision to make. I mean, even if you're not battling something as heinous as depression or severe anxiety, um, just playing football for a paycheck is hard. But to do that when you also have those battles going on, it's it's hard and probably wholly unhealthy. Yeah, I've got a lot of experience with this in my own family. My wife is a, uh, is a professional counselor, so... Um, every- thing is right on the money it also makes some sense now why he wasn't drafted because what he put on tape his first three years at iowa is absolutely a draftable play especially from iowa yeah especially when you throw in i mean marshall yonda was a second or third day pick right he's he i think he's going to be in the nfl hall of fame john yeah so yeah i mean um he was absolutely a draftable player with what he put on tape his first three years 
to not go drafted at all, as we talked about after the draft, and you mentioned it, really seemed mysterious. But now maybe some teams kind of had an inkling or wondering if if he was fully committed and you, and you only get seven uh, rounds and, and maybe you don't want to put a draft pick on a kid that you're not sure is 100% there. So, and, 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 you know, one of my mottos in life, and it served me well when I've obeyed it, and it served me poorly when I've ignored it. If you're not sure, the answer is no. When it comes to major decisions, I'm not talking like when you're sitting there with your wife on date night, multiplex, and you're not sure what movie to see when you left the kids with grandma. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a home, a car, a career choice, a mate, major life decisions. If you're not sure, the answer is no. And um, Sean wasn't sure, and the answer is no. I'll say this, though. With the, what I've seen in my own family with depression, and given his age, it would not shock me if we're sitting here two, three, or four years from now, and he's in a better place emotionally, and decides, you know what? This is still a much better way and lucrative way of making a living than being a lifelong pharmaceutical rep. So I, I wouldn't totally close the book on him being a pro football player either. Good, good, uh, good advice. Good call, and I agree with you. Uh, I, I, I would suggest that that advice has served you well both times. Even though uh, when you've said yes to uh, an uncertainty, it has hurt. It still is. It still served you. <laughs> Just didn't feel yeah. very good. Just didn't feel very good. Yep. All right, that'll do, that'll do it for this installment of the HN Podcast. For Steve, I'm John. We'll talk to you soon.